Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome back to another week of Living with Will. I'm so grateful for this episode. I honestly couldn't tell you in human language how excited I am for you to hear this one. It's profound. It's inspiring. It's hilarious. It's wholesome. We laugh. We cry. It's, it's really just fucking incredible. But now, without further ado, let me introduce our guest. Aria is nothing short of an absolute human legend. I think that's probably the barest minimum way we can describe what kind of person she is. She's an absolute legend. If you don't know who Aria is, she's an incredible musician. She's an inspiration as a person. And she's just an overall fucking badass. So we can get right into it. Thank you so much, Aria, for coming and for sharing a song with us. And we're fortunate to share her new song, Rule the World. And stay tuned because she has new music coming out, new projects. And honestly, everything she touches is fucking gold. So thank you all so much for being here. If you like the podcast, please continue to like, comment, and subscribe as always. And success and happiness to everyone who hears this. Thank you so much. and Welcome back to another week of Living With Will. I still remember the day that he sat me down and blew me away. He said you can be anything if you just keep on dreaming, keep on dreaming on. Now I watched him grow, I watched him fall, and I watched him grow. His plans into reality. He's always there and never falls for someone know that I'm safe. He tells me that I'm great and I can be anything because together we will conquer this day by day until we I can. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm leaving my camera on, even if you don't want to, just so you can see my reactions. Because if you say something <laughs> funny, I want you to see that I'm laughing. <laughs> Amazing. I, I, here, I'll put my video to say hi to you. Hi. Yo, it's good to see you. Um, yeah. <laughs> you too. All right, we're going to find out if I usually make the worst coffee on the planet. So we'll find out today. <laughs> Uh, then I take back my comment about you getting me some coffee. Oh, no, no, no. You don't want to drink this. So one time I, uh, I was working for a senator at the time and I was in the, uh, the district office and you know, uh -huh. like that instant coffee, like the, you put it in water, you put it in hot water yes. and it's just already yes, made. I yeah. I fucking, uh, I put it in the coffee maker and then made it for all of my colleagues. No. <laughs> and one of my colleagues was like, well, what the fuck is wrong with this coffee? <laughs> and why is the coffee oh maker fucked God. up? Yeah, that wasn't good. I am super stoked for this interview for many reasons, but I'm, I want to start <laughs> off by saying thank you for, for coming on. I'm very grateful. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and asking me to be here. No question. So I'll start it off just the same way that I started with everybody. I started off kind of the same way every every interview, um, especially with people who are musicians. I'm always curious the groundwork that led to them being where they are now. So what kind of got you into to music and, and pursuing it professionally? 
Absolutely. Um, so I have been singing and writing songs my whole life, uh, like from when I was little and I was writing songs about uh, ladybugs and waterfalls and stuff. <laughs> and then um, I, when I was 18, I moved to music school um, in LA. So I moved from Santa Fe, New Mexico and moved to um LA and I was in I went to AMDA it's a performing arts conservatory so I was there and then um I started working with Atlantic Records um after graduation and I did an album and a four-month tour and then uh yeah it was all all uh uphill from there that was unbelievable okay we gotta we gotta take a step back you leave Santa Fe you go to LA first of all what was what was the catalyst that led to you going to school in LA Well, I was a dancer for the majority of my young life and I wrote music and acted and I just wanted to, I kind of took graduation from high school as an opportunity of like, okay, you can either have everything you ever wanted or just continue to be in this box of dance that people put you in. And I had the option of going to a company and I said, you know what, I'm going to try to find a school that allows me to do everything. Uh, and so, cause I love going after the impossible. So I, uh, decided to go to AMDA and they have campuses on both coasts. And that was like a big selling point for me, uh, deciding to come out to LA because, um, they, I could get education on both of their campuses and then graduate with a actual degree in Los Angeles. So sick. And then first of all, that's dope as fuck. I love personally, I love the story of people who take the risk. And that's kind of what I love about this mm-hmm. platform is that I'm, I'm trying to expose the audience to people like you who are like, yeah, I could go that route, but like, why not go for gold? And I love that. It's fucking yeah. incredible. <laughs> and then I love that, you know, it paid out. So explain a little bit. How, how did you go from yeah. you get out of school and then you're with Atlantic? That's fucking incredible. Yeah, I got really lucky. And, you know, in this industry, they always say it's who you know, and it's so true. I mean, obviously, you have to do your half of the work as well and be prepared for when the people show up. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I so we had like a senior showcase um, in college where we would sing. And I, <laughs> I wanted to start producing or have my music produced. And I kind of started with like, I just want to learn garage band, like something really simple. I was like, I just want to learn something to get my music out there. And of course, when you, you know, start to kind of have that want and pursue things like that, they turn out much bigger. And so I ended up my pianist that I was using, who was helping me learn GarageBand, uh, his roommate was an engineer at Atlantic. So we would record like after hours at first. And like, so cool. um, I would just pay him. Yeah, it was incredible and um, really, really amazing producer. Um, he, I don't know if he's with Atlantic, but yeah, he's an incredible guy. And um yeah, so I did recorded an album uh, with them, and that's how that happened. It's, yeah, a lot about who you know. It's so true. Isn't that crazy? It's like that, um, I, I'm so mad at myself. Hold on. I got to get this quote right for you. It pisses me off every time I go wrong. I'm going to edit this part out, but I'm going to find <laughs> the quote so the people will think that I thought of it on the spot. The people will be like, oh, my God, he's so scholarly. He memorizes <laughs> <laughs> he knows quotes by heart you know what's so fucked up too is that i i use this quote maybe once a week and i have to look it up every single time oh my god <laughs> luck is the preparation <laughs> it's luck is when preparation meets opportunity meets opportunity i know yes. that from heart and i haven't said that in years that's hilarious it's that's um, a testament to how bad my memory is but you're a testament of how true that statement is yeah this is true thank you um yeah yeah you uh it's kind of half and half and I think that way with you know kind of the universe or God or whatever you believe in as well it's kind of Mm -hmm. a similar situation where it's like yeah you do your half of the work and you know yes it's great to put you know your wants out there but a lot of people I think kind of just rely on that and say oh you know it'll like it has me and my faith has me the universe has me and it's like uh, I do believe that, but I also believe you have to do your half. A thousand five hundred percent, which is an outrageous thing to say because a hundred percent is where that stops. But you know what's so interesting <laughs> about your point is that I had an interview. Shout out to the Love Child, an amazing painter and artist. I don't want to just call him a painter because I know he's trying to expand. Nice. But um, he said exactly what you're saying too. He was like, 
there were days he was he was painting and selling art on the street in Soho. And there were days where he didn't have money to eat. And he was like, you know, he would he'd be finishing the day and like it would look like he wasn't gonna have enough money for food. And then someone would come and buy a piece from him. And he was like, he was saying it was because he was putting in his half. And so God was like, oh, in the universe, I'll put in my half too. Like you're doing your part, so yeah. I'll do mine. Um, and, you know, feel free. I don't know if this is too personal a question, but you bring in God in the universe. Would you consider yourself a yeah. spiritual person? Um, yeah, I say I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. Um, and I really have no qualms about what anybody believes. I think the most important thing is that you believe something because you believe it, because you've had the experience with it. And for me, I've experienced too many miracles in my life to not believe in something. Um, but, you know, I think most of my qualms just with people that are like, I don't know, like my parents said that this is true. And so it just is. And they have never had a personal experience with it, but they just believe whatever. Uh, and yeah, I, I find that to be a little um, like a little blind. Uh, but yeah, but everything else, you know believe what you believe and I've certainly had experiences with that and I guess I label it as like the universe um but I think it's all the same really no question I'm so I'm on the same page as you like some days I'll call it the universe some days I'll call it my creator sometimes I'll say God but it really did take like a life defining moment for me to really come to terms and build my own relationship with that and, and to start thinking similarly to you is where it's like believe whatever the fuck you want to believe as mm -hmm. long as it's not hurting someone like you can believe in a spaghetti right, exactly. monster. Like I don't, whatever. What was, if you're comfortable, <laughs> what were some of the moments look, that you had? Look, if you saw the spaghetti monster. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If you saw it, I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, it's good. But yeah, no, I'm, there's a bit of a delay. So Who am I to say that you didn't see it? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. What are some ways that, or what were some of the moments in your life that kind of made you or, or kind of informed this way of thinking? Um, so I've had, I think four or five really big defining moments. Um, the three biggest being having terminal cancer twice. And then, uh, the third, uh, this, I got in a really bad, um, uh, car wreck just a couple months ago. So, uh, which I'm sure we'll dive into the details of all of those things, but each of those definitely led me to, you know, a life or death situation. And just, as you said, I think it takes those kinds of experiences, uh, for us to really open up our minds. No question. No question. And, and I think it's really powerful. And I appreciate you sharing the fact that like all three of those alone are terrifying and literally life-threatening things that you've gone through. And many people go through one of those. You've gone through three. Uh, and I love that. Yeah. I, 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 first of all, commend you on the, the your, you give off an energy of like, you have a very light energy. Like you seem like a very happy and a great person. And I've, I, it's surprising to me because if I had gone through what you got through, I don't think I'd be such a good person. I think I'd be pretty pissed. <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> well, did I do? Thank you so much. <laughs> it's yeah, true. It's, uh, it's interesting. People say that to me a lot and they say, you know, like, how are you? Oh my gosh, you're so positive all the time. Like you're happy all the time. How do you do that with what you've gone through? And honestly, the answer is I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm not happy all the time. And I think that the reason I can be positive and light, like you said, which thank you for saying that, that's such a beautiful uh, description. Um, but the way I can be light is because I allow myself to have those hard days. I allow myself to be a mess. I allow myself to let that stuff out um, so that I can actually genuinely feel happiness, you know? Oh, that's so righteous and so valid. I think uh, I try to be as positive of a person as I can when I'm interacting with other people. And I think people take that as me, like being positive at all times of the day. It's like, no, you are going to, I'm going to show you positive because I want to be a positive influence. But when I'm alone, <laughs> it's, it's, who knows what I'm going to be <laughs> like, I'm going to be going crazy internally. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing too, with like, especially with social media, like, you know, a lot of that has become my career a little bit. And, um, and a lot of it is so important to me to show, you know, yes, you had to post something photoshopped and beautiful objectively for marketing, but then it's like right next to that, I'm going to post a no makeup, you know, wreck picture of myself and talk about depression and real stuff. And I think it's so important to show both of those sides, obviously like on a podcast, I'm probably not going to break down, <laughs> but, um, but when we can, I think it's so important to show both sides, um, especially 
I have a younger audience and thinking about like young people, I had so many issues growing up and I can't imagine growing up in the age of like Instagram. So it being really, really essential, I think, to just uh, be as honest as you can about it. That is so fucking insightful. And, and I hope people are taking notes because I'm, I always love when I, when I hold these interviews and people say certain things, I'm just like, <laughs> God damn, I can't wait to listen back to that. Cause I'll always, it's weird. I'll end up editing these and I'll be in some weird mood that whenever I'm editing a podcast, I'll hear something that I didn't hear the first time. And it'll just be so mm. impactful. And I already know it's I coming. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is different too. Cause then when you're listening, you're not worried about responding or like anything like that or questions. You just kind of can listen. That must be nice. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> I love interviewing, <laughs> but I'm not like, I wouldn't consider myself a skilled interviewer yet. Right now, I just enjoy the process, but I'm mm -hmm. excited for a day where I can be like, yeah, this is pretty, uh, I'm pretty comfortable doing this. I don't feel nervous at all, but yeah. knowing life, that'll never come. I'll probably be nervous. <laughs> I, I think it will. I think it'll just come from doing so many of these. That's how I feel because I used to be really nervous on podcasts. And now I think I'm getting more, actually, I'm noticing during this one, uh, and just because of who you are, but I'm, I'm less nervous. Uh, and it's just like, oh, yeah, just because I've been doing them often. So, you know, your body gets used to it. Real shit, yo. That is so fucking valid. You spoke a little bit about how through Instagram and through social media, you've kind of, you have this younger audience. Do you mm -hmm. feel a sense of responsibility for the message that you that you put across to younger audiences or does that not is it like an audience is an audience you don't really see the age of it um that's interesting um i i do um just because i know that me being that age was like the most tumultuous time for me as it is for a lot of people and especially right now especially in this apocalypse uh there's a lot of pain there's a lot of pain and a lot of kids' parents um, don't, unfortunately, don't necessarily understand that or they don't have healthy home lives and they do turn to social media. They do turn to people that they look up to. And, you know, yes, I can come off as this, you know, like positive, strong survivor, but I'd never want to make someone feel like I'm someone they look up to, but they could never be me. I always say that everyone's problems are valid. Like my worst day is gonna be my worst day and your worst day is your worst day. There's no competition. And I always wanna create something accessible so that you know the young, your younger audience can look at me and say, oh, I look up to her, but oh, wow, actually I could do this or I wanna be this. Um, so yeah, I think it's important. And while I wanna reach everyone, uh, younger kids need it, man. It's right now, especially they need, they need hope and guidance. That is so fucking valid. And it's, I love it too, because you know, I don't have quite the same audience, but I try to maintain like, look, if you were to, for example, right, I'm 27 now, got bleach hair. When I was a kid, I fucking loved Kurt Cobain, <laughs> this 27 year old dude with bleach hair. It was like everything I, you know, I obviously didn't know about the heroin and everything, but I was like, my God, this dude is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you look at, when you're younger, you look yeah. at certain people, you don't see all the, all the complexities of a human being, but you're like, wow. And I, and I want to say to kids who might like look at me or look at you or look at anyone in the way that I looked at him, like, yo, don't focus on being like me, focus on being you because you are the coolest person yeah. imaginable. You know what I mean? If you pursue yourself, <laughs> like you're the shit, everybody, if everybody Absolutely. just focused on being themselves fully, I can't even imagine what kind of world we would live in. I really can't be fire. Absolutely. It's so important. <laughs> it's so right? important. Yeah. Definitely. When do when do you think you really came to terms with, cause you said that it was a tumultuous time when you were younger. When do you think it really came mm -hmm. to a full, to like, when did you really notice like, oh wow, like I'm myself now and I fuck with me. Like when did that, when do you think that started <laughs> coming to fruition? Um, as a 27 year old, literally like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> and <laughs> I think, I mean, I don't know, we're always, you know, always learning new versions of ourselves, but I definitely, I mean, man, I don't even think I've had a moment to just explore what I am and be myself because I've had trauma after trauma after trauma. And like, that's honestly what led me to a lot of depression in between those traumas, because I had never had time to deal with each of them individually. Mm. So they piled on quite high. And this is, to be honest with you, the first time in my life 
the first time I, you know, I had childhood trauma, but then the first time I got diagnosed, I was 18. So like, I'm 27 now and finally feel like, oh, I can, I'm kind of living my life and my story and it's not shrouded in, you know, sickness and appointments. And I say that still being in recovery, but in comparison, um, it's, you know, I feel finally like I'm getting a grip on who I am. Fucking love that. And how's recovery going? How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. Uh, I mean, you know, it's all relative. Um, probably the pain now is like a lot less than I was feeling. Um, I am eight months into recovery, so I have four months to go. Um, so, you know, I'm still doing therapies. I'm still in, I do um, occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, and neck therapy. So I'm still in all those things. Um, but Definitely, it's getting easier. I mean, and yeah, I had to relearn to walk and talk and do all of my different tasks and all that. So it's been a lot of progress, but also people are like, oh, you healed so fast. And I'm like, yeah, because you saw photos of me in a hospital bed to now me seeming normal, but you didn't see the eight hours a day of work that it takes. So it's been a long, long, (laughs) long, long recovery. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad to have you here and, and to hear that things are going in the right direction. You know, um, yeah, I'm, re- I, I'm really blessed to, to hear that it's going. I feel blessed to hear you saying that it's going well. <laughs> um, what are some what are some tips maybe that let's say someone turns this podcast on and they're in the middle of physical therapy and maybe they're struggling with with some of you know the exercises or specific things? What are um, some obstacles maybe that you faced? um, that you overcame, maybe some ways that you, that you overcame them? Absolutely. Um, well, it's kind of a broad or like a hard question to answer. Cause I feel like I have like so many different things that I was healing at the same time. Um, but I think a lot of actually bringing it back to what we were talking about with doing your half and the universe doing its half, the same is true with your body. Like I would be very, very worried about specific things or nerve damage. I, um, uh, uh, I, well, let me go back and actually say what happened in the crash. So people know what I'm talking about, but, um, I, uh, yeah, so I was going 80 on a freeway and I went across all of my lanes, the median and all of the lanes on the other side. And I landed on the opposite side of the freeway and I was found underneath my steering wheel. And I have had to get my skull reattached to my neck, uh, which sounds fake, but it's true. And then I broke all of my ribs, taking my gear shift off. Uh, with them. And um, I had a piece of my skull was inside my brainstem. So I got a lot of extensive surgery and I had a lot of nerve damage because of that brainstem injury. So um, yeah, part of it, uh, you doing your half and the universe doing its, but the same with healing where I was nervous that some things wouldn't heal. And I had to continue to do my therapies. Like you have to do these exercises diligently when you don't want to do it, you just have to. But then also trusting your body, like things will heal on their own as time continues. The body is smart, man. It knows, it knows how to heal. It knows how to put itself back together. Um, So just, you know, having a good balance of those two things um, is really important. Fucking wild. First of all, I want to thank you for sharing (laughs) a, what I'm sure was a horrific experience for you. Um, And part of the reason that I didn't directly ask you to, to retell it is, you know, I don't want to put you through any trauma of having to relive it by telling it but I appreciate you sharing it thank you yeah I'm very I'm open and fine to talk about it but I really appreciate you of course yeah it's fucking I you know you hear certain stories in life it's like hearing a holocaust survivor tell their story or hearing someone survive like a a horrifying crash it's like I'm so glad you're okay but I'm so (laughs) angry you had to go through that it's like you didn't deserve (laughs) that shit what the fuck thank you yeah it's uh yeah I don't know I I feel like a lot of people are angry for me like 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 for me because you know I've had terminal cancer twice before the crash and then I had the crash and then it's just like people are like 
oh my God, you have the worst luck ever or like the worst life ever. And I'm like, I think I have the best life ever because I survived all of it. So fuck yeah. But, um, uh, I, I love that mentality. Swear. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but you're swearing, so I'm going to swear. You can 100% <laughs> swear. This is a no, unless it's someone says something fucked up that I'm like, all right, we got to cut this interview. You're, you're a bigot. <laughs> like people can swear. I have no, I think swears are just a fun way of accentuating a feeling. <laughs> Yeah, I use them very choice. There's, you know, yeah, time to accentuate. That's a great <laughs> description. Um, so cool because we like, I don't know, it was so, so random and so cool how we met too. Like what a great happenstance of like, I was barely just starting to work at the studio again. And I was in the fucking laundry room heard Chris outside and I was like damn that sounds like Chris I need to text him and then you guys walk through the front door it was perfect I love moments like that in life because you you never expect yeah you're never prepared for it but then you end up in a moment like this where we're we were having an engaging podcast conversation and I'm sure there's going to be people who hear this who like need to hear this conversation which is makes it even more Mm -hmm. rewarding Absolutely. On the note, on that note, let's, get, let's <laughs> bring it back to you. Yeah, for sure. So, you, so you're going through recovery. We're mm-hmm. at the point that we're at now. People are angry for you. You're really, first of all, let me just say, I love the mentality that you have where you're like, other people are angry and you feel really blessed. I'm so grateful <laughs> that you have that mentality. But when you were going, before the crash happened, you've already dealt with terminal cancer once. Mm-hmm. Can we, can we dive into that a little bit? Like you, you survived something that, yeah. you know, it's one of the scariest things a human being can hear is that you have cancer. What happened? Where, where were you? For sure. So the first time, um, like I said, I moved from New Mexico to LA and for school and two months into school was the first time I was diagnosed. Um, and so, uh, it was terminal both times. The first time I had lymphoma and, um, they, essentially gave me five years to live. I did chemo, I did radiation, and I did 16 different surgeries. Um, And then I went into remission for two months, which was lovely. And then, but short-lived because then it came back into um, the lymph nodes under my jaw and moved into the temporal lobe of my brain. Um, And so at that point, again, it was terminal. They had given me about a year, give or take, but really treatment wasn't an option. neither was surgery. So at that point, I really adopted the mindset of if cancer was meant to kill me, it was meant to kill me. If it wasn't meant to kill me, it was meant to teach me a lesson. So what Mm. was that? And how do I learn it? How do I apply it to my life? Um, And then I also started looking at the body like a science. So um, what environment could I create where cancer cells couldn't live and adjusting, you know, my pH levels, my blood oxygen levels, all that good stuff. Um, And then, yeah, I went into remission for five years and then hit my one-year cancer-free date in June, which ironically was why I was on the road trip because I was going to celebrate with my best friend who lives in Wyoming, my one-year cancer-free date. Are you fucking kidding me? I I drove across the nation and I made it an hour away from her house and wrecked myself on a highway. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my God, dude. (laughs) And that's the thing of people like you saying like, yeah, people being mad for me. And it's just, I've just never felt that way. Like I've just, I've, I've always just felt it's for a reason that it's for a reason. I think my, I have a really great father and I think he instilled that in me, but also I definitely have days like that, where even though I know like, yes, in the grand scheme of things, it's for a reason, uh, I will just get really, really frustrated and have really, really hard days where I feel like I'm just sick of it. I'm just tired of not being able to be in my body. I'm just tired of not being able to be well. And I just get frustrated and yeah, and have hard dates. It's not, this kind of trauma definitely does not come without pain. That's for sure. And I think what you said earlier in the interview is so profound and, and just so necessary in dealing with that, where you were like, yeah, I'm not positive all the time. Like some days yeah. I'm blown. But I think <laughs> that it's like, people need to let themselves feel that. Like, don't hide from, like you dealt with some serious shit. You're allowed to feel yeah. that and be angry at it. And I, if anyone ever was like, you're, I, I would slap the shit out of someone. If they were like, you're overreacting. You're, <laughs> you're being a, I feel like if you have any idea what this woman has been through. 
(laughs) that's one of my biggest pet peeves is like what they call like toxic positivity right because I'm so you know I'm positive yes I want others to be positive but like being positive half of it is saying hey you're allowed to feel however the fuck you feel and not oh you have to be happy all the time like my biggest pet peeve of people (laughs) as a lot of survivors feel this way but you know I'll post something on, on that nature and everyone's like stay strong. And I'm like, what do you think I've been doing for 27 years? <laughs> like, oh, thank you so much, Brenda. I should probably do that now. <laughs> like, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> oh man, people say the dumbest There's a lot of cliches thing. like that. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you know that they're trying to help. It's a hundred percent in good nature. They just maybe have not been through trauma themselves so they don't totally understand how to like care for someone in that situation but that is an amazing transition too so I agree I think sometimes I think people come from the best place (laughs) most often than not people want to help but sometimes you know you Mm -hmm. don't know how to help and a lot of people don't ask They'll, they'll just do what they think. I'm one of them. Like, oh, I'm the type of person who yes. will offer you advice without ask, you asking me for it. And I've been told like, oh, sometimes <laughs> just shut the fuck up and listen. What are some ways that you've kind of <laughs> learned through dealing with yourself like that people can be helpful? And obviously it's going to be different for everyone, but what's a recommendation you give yeah. if someone has a family member or a friend who's dealing with, you know, intense trauma or, or, you know, physical pain where they can be helpful to them without being, you know, abrasive? I think this is the best question I have ever been asked in any interview ever, because it is the most important question that nobody ever asks. Um, so thank you for asking this <laughs> got question. You. Um, got you. So yeah, I think that's, you know, that's the first step of it. The fact that you are able to be like, oh, I'm aware of the fact that I maybe give advice too much and I just need to listen. And I certainly have been that way too, because I tend to, you know, take on the role of like caretaker. And then I realized, okay, Ariana, you don't have to like take care of everybody all the time. And not everybody needs to be taken care of either. And I'm one of those people where like, I really don't need advice. I know what I'm doing unless I ask specifically for advice. I generally just need to be listened to. Um, And I think that asking is the most important thing. Like I... Yeah, I can't tell you enough how important that is because people who don't understand how to deal with trauma will then give you cliches or give you things like that that can honestly be quite damaging, especially when you're young or especially while you're in the middle of trauma. And if you just ask what someone needs, you could never damage a person that way. You know what I mean? There's no harm that you could possibly do in asking. And a lot of people, unfortunately, are just led by ego. And so they don't want to say, oh, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm not gonna are you kidding me with my soap opera of a life I would never expect another human being to know how to take care of me like obviously but I but if you ask me I can absolutely express to you what I need or if I need anything and um, yeah number one most important thing avoid cliches and ask what somebody needs Um, and a little add-on to that that I will put in as far as depression goes and taking care of people with depression is um, I feel people are under the false pretense that people will call. They say, oh, oh, they'll call. If they need my help, they'll call. Often they won't. And I always use the analogy of robbing a bank. Like if your goal is to rob a bank, you're not going to call the bank and say, hey, I'm about to rob you. And so if your goal is to not be in this world anymore, you're not going to call a friend to make sure that they can stop you. And that's such a huge thing. Yes, it is our responsibility. um, People have gone through trauma, people with depression to speak out and to, you know, say what we need, but sometimes we don't know how. And it is also the responsibility of the other party to be able to see the signs and be able to act on those. And always, always, always be the one who calls and don't just wait for someone. If you see a sign or you see something, um, our guts know and act on it. Wow. I'm so grateful for that. So profound, so real. And like, it's one of those (laughs) things where I feel like, you know, when you hear certain things and it makes so much sense, you're like, how did I not understand that until right now? 
That was yeah. the perfect way of summing that up. It's like, yo, they're never, <laughs> you know, instinctually if something is wrong, but you never quite know what it is unless you ask, mm-hmm. or unless you are the one who's like, if your friend is suffering, they're not exactly what you said. Oh man, I don't even, this is what I'm talking about. I'm coming back to this because I, I need to remind myself <laughs> of this all the time, like to check in on people that I know mm-hmm. I should be checking in on just in case, you know, just in Absolutely. case. Absolutely. And checking in on people that, seem fine, you know, because oftentimes the people who are doing the worst are the people that come off the happiest because they're just, you know, masking their way through life. So, yeah. It's a, it's a wild world we live in. It's unfortunate that, you know, and I think it all does come back to ego as well. Like not all entirely, but I think it's partly, partly because, you know, everyone has a bit of pride and a bit of ego. They don't want to be embarrassed and be like, I need help, you know? Yeah. But if you go to them and you're like, yo, I'm here, I got your back. Then they're like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I can right. share with you. <laughs> <laughs> On a brighter Great. note, first of well all, said. appreciate all, the, all <laughs> of that. I want to round it back to your music and to kind of the, the passion projects that you're working mm-hmm. on. So you're making music 2017. Yeah. You have a project. It's fucking phenomenal. We'll be, I'll put it in the description. Um, you have some singles that have come out since. Thank you. Is there some music that you have in the works mm-hmm. right now that people should be looking out for? Yeah, I actually have my first song. So I, with reteaching myself how to speak, I also had to reteach myself how to sing. So I have my first song coming out March 14th. So in like very soon. Uh, and that was my first song I'm releasing since the crash. So this is a perfect promo. <laughs> um, perfect. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> and I have two more after that. I have about a hundred songs written. It's always been for me about trying to find the right producer, um, still in the works with that, but, um, but yeah, so go check it out. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um, would you say from the music that you've released to the world so far and to the music that we have coming? Do you think they fall into the same genre? Is it a whole new vibe? What are you, what can people expect? Um, well, uh, my last album, uh, my first album that I did was very um, kind of Sarah Bareilles-y, like full band stuff. And this is a lot more like John Bellion vibe, a little bit more pop electronic. Um, and uh, still the same with songwriting will always be my first focus and my first love. But um, yeah, just trying to, have a bit more of a um, a up and coming sound. <laughs> nice, that's the way to do it. Who was it that said this? I'm not. I'm gonna fuck up the person, but someone was like, <laughs> "If you're making movies or you're making music, make something I've never seen or heard before. Like I want to. I want something mm-hmm. new." And so I love that. It's mm-hmm. like. You're, you're, you were saying it, you're like, I'm, I'm the singing and stuff is still the forefront, but it's a different sound. And I love that. I'm very excited to hear it. Great. Cause that's the way that I like doing this too, is that to have it coincide with a release so that it's like, people can hear it. They're fucking with your energy. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, and you got an album. Let's fucking go. <laughs> exactly. I love it. <laughs> Great yeah. timing. Right. So you, so you've kind of been, you know, um, the music, not on the back burner, but you've been, you know, relearning how to, relearning how to sing, relearning how to talk, relearning how to be mm-hmm. yourself, right? Um, and during this time, <laughs> yeah, you've you've emerged on social media, you know, and you and you alluded to it a little bit that that kind of became part of your work, you know, as 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 a personality. Yeah. I feel. Um, how, when did that start? When did you kind of start pursuing that? Yeah, it's actually um, fairly new. Um, it's. <laughs> This last two weeks, again, a great time for this podcast. Um, the last two weeks, I've it's just kind of my career has been a little bit taking off. I have been on a, a film panel at the British Film Festival, and I'm doing a lot of talking um, at different retreats. Um, everything's virtual now, obviously. Uh, and then um, I started doing a bit of life coaching and um, making, yeah, my TikTok is uh, has been uh, on the climb and all that kind of stuff. So just trying to make use of the time while I couldn't uh, make use of my voice. And so I have like a PR team now and an editor and it's kind of crazy. I don't really know what my life is at the moment, um, but things are going really, really well. Um, so, yeah. 
I fucking love it. First of all, <laughs> you deserve it. God damn it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Fuck out of here. Thank uh, you. We hear people talk about like, you know, like, yeah, they deserved it. They put in the work. You fucking dealt with death three times. <laughs> like, you deserve fame <laughs> and fortune. Come on now. That's I'm so glad. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really amazing. And I feel like, you know, and you know, uh, being an artist and working in the art world, it's always kind of just, you know, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving, hopefully maybe one day you get it back and um, mostly for the love of it. And um, it's finally coming back. And so it feels really fucking good. Yo, that is a testament to the power of perseverance. You are literally like a testament <laughs> to that sentence because you fucking did it. You relearned how to talk. Like that is a crazy, my mind can't even fathom that. That's crazy. But so fucking awesome, so inspiring. I hate to say it inspiring. It's been pretty I know crazy. It's, yeah, I'm sure. Thank you. No, I, I, I <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I like. I'm like, I don't want to call your trauma inspiring because I know it was not. That's not how it must have felt for you. You're probably like, yeah, I would have rather it never happened to be honest. But I'm very glad that <laughs> you're coming the other side of it with this, like, you know, this new perspective and this new life kind. I mean, I'm, you know, it's wild. It's wild to totally, see. Totally, yeah. And honestly, if it can help other people, um, then yeah, definitely worth it to be inspiring. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. That's so great. And it, it's a perfect transition too. So I ask people, you know, we all live our lives and interact with human beings who have profound effect on us and that leave lasting impressions. What are some words of wisdom that you've been given mm -hmm. along the way that have kind of informed your life, whether professionally or personally? Man, it kind of changes all the time. Um, but certainly something that my dad um, always instilled in me of just the thought of um, just keep going, continuing to wake up each morning and just keep going a little bit further. And I think sometimes trauma can feel so huge and just like this huge mountain, like how are you even supposed to take the first step? And we think, oh, I have to cure my depression today and I have to go to therapy and fix my career and everything has to be great. And it's like, if you just focus on waking up tomorrow, you have succeeded. And I would also say hugely turning my attention to gratitude um, has been enormous uh, in shifting me into being present constantly, which has really, really helped anxiety and depression and healing um, even the tiniest, tiniest things and celebrating yourself, you know? If you get up out of bed and watch TV for the whole day and that's all you do, fuck yeah, celebrate yourself. <laughs> that's amazing. You made it to the couch today. Um, so yeah, very important. Celebrate yourself and have gratitude. Just keep going, keep waking up. Wow, I love that. And I'm gonna share a personal story with you that is so wildly similar of like, an, so I was driving in New York one time, I get stuck going in the tunnel I end up in New Jersey and I guess to come back into New York, you have to pay like a $15 toll. Right. So I pull up to the toll booth and the woman's like, uh -huh. Hey, can I get the 15? And I'm like, I'm like, look, look, I don't know you, but I'm, I'm late to work. I don't, I don't know how the fuck I ended up in New Jersey right now, but I got to get back in the city. <laughs> I really don't want to pay, you know, cause it's at that point in my life where $15 really made a difference. I'm like, I really don't want to pay 15 right now. Right. And she looks at me and she was like, you woke up this morning, like you're blessed. And it's, I remember that for the rest of my life, I'm going to hold that with me. Cause, and it's just like you just said, it's like just getting to the couch some days, like be proud of yourself. Cause some people it's like, it's really difficult to do that. So I appreciate mm -hmm. that. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's those tiny little things. And, you know, you really, I really realized them, you know, not being able to walk to my couch and those kinds of things. And I, used to be so hard on myself like if I wasn't doing enough work I just I just you know thought I was awful and wasn't doing enough and then once you can't do anything you're like oh yeah every tiny little thing matters so much real shit that is fucking the amount of times I've said profound in this interview is, is starting to annoy me but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's true I mean every time you're saying profound things God damn. I gotta expand Thank my you. vocabulary not real shit um <laughs> So I've, I've asked you what someone else has said to you that was profound and helpful to you. 
But yeah. what are some ways that you personally, like some words of wisdom that you kind of came up with? And, you know, we're all products of different people, but um, right. what are some things that if you could look back on this interview 30 years from now and be like, damn, I said that, what would kind of your words of wisdom to other people be? <laughs> Wait, I think I messed up because the keep going thing was mine. And so is the gratitude. Right. Love it. No, um, fuck but, it. I, well, three things then. <laughs> no, let me, let me think. Um, oh man, it's so hard. Like, how do I come up with one thing? I feel like I've learned so much. Um, it can be many. It could be a myriad yeah, honestly, of things. <laughs> I really uh, encompasses everything is the gratitude thing, to be honest, though, because it changes everything. It heals everything. And it helps you to heal things that you don't think are curable like cancer like depression and I always said like I always said that I'm never going to cure my depression it just becomes manageable um and I genuinely feel like turning my attention to being grateful to these tiny little things has really changed the way I deal with everything as well as how I give my energy out and that's one of the most important things of um the different levels that we give our energy out. Um, <laughs> try, sorry, I'm rambling. Um, Not at all. I okay, ramble. Like, this is profound as fuck. <laughs> okay, I'll try to keep it concise. Sorry. Um, the energy, like I've developed this thing where I have three different levels of the energy I give out. So like there's the people that can life and death support you and those people you can give all of your energy to. There's people that want to support you like we spoke about before, but they haven't learned how and you can give them half your energy. And then there's the people that are innately selfish and you don't give them any energy. And by any energy, I mean, not even focusing on them at all because I used to say, oh, I'm not giving it energy, but really I was just being positive about it, but I was still projecting my positive energy, which is energy. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the biggest thing, conserve your energy and then use it for gratitude. That's how I'll tie that back in. <laughs> Fire, that is such good advice. Oh my God. I can't wait to clip some of this interview. Like that is so sick. Cause there's things that I'm like- Yeah, please edit things. I, no, no, I, I mean like clip it. Like I'm gonna take that piece and make a, like I'll put, I'll put it as a promo or something. That was fucking- Oh, genius. oh cute. Yeah, that was so good. And it's so valid because I try and kind of, I don't, I'm not as eloquent as you are. So when I try and say that to people, it doesn't come off the same, but like, nah, it really is so true. It's like some people you really can give all of yourself to. And then some people you really should only give some and some people you really shouldn't give any of yourself to because it's just not healthy. Absolutely. And there's so many, you know, it's interesting because people say all the time, like, oh my gosh, you must have like all these people around you because you've gone through all this stuff and, you know, people, you must have, you know, all this great support and ask anybody with trauma, the second you have trauma in your life, whether it be a car accident or you're dying of cancer, everybody leaves. Like you don't have people. And um, it honestly becomes a blessing in the end because the people that do stay are your ride or die people. Um, but that's, you know, a testament to the energy and a lot of the crash made me realize that because I felt so much often when friendships wouldn't turn out well, especially in LA, I have so many problems trying to find a friend group. And I always thought, oh, it's me. Like, what am I doing? Why don't I fit in here with the people? And then realizing when I crashed, when certain people left my life, I was like, oh, it's a you problem. It, <laughs> it's a you, your reaction to trauma, not me, because I, was in a hospital bed. Like I literally couldn't have done anything to you. So I know that it's just you and your reaction to trauma. Um, and that's fine. Like I said, I have a soap opera over life and not everybody can handle that kind of thing. Um, so it's not about you is another good lesson. Generally, it is not about you. That's such another an amazing piece of information for people. <laughs> I hope that someone is listening with a pen and paper because this type of shit, you can't buy advice like this. This is advice that you get once in a lifetime. And I hope you guys are taking note. There was one other thing that you mentioned that I wanted to tap into. And I mean, it could be its own podcast, but just as, as briefly as you can, because I don't want to take too much of your time. You spoke about how you wanted to create an environment earlier that was like basically like an anti-cancer environment, like that you couldn't mm. reproduce. And so you talked about like pH leveling and 
Um, what is some of the things that that entailed? It's, it's, was it like a diet or was it, you know, like, how did that work? Sure. Um, I always preface uh, when people ask about this because um, I do not have a cure for cancer. <laughs> I do not, I can't cure anybody else's cancer. Um, and I'm not stating that I can, and that is what that is. Uh, but millions of people all over the world have healed their own cancer uh, via diet and via these methods. And for me, it was just like, I was, you know, literally I was 18 and planning my own funeral. And I said, okay, well, I'm just gonna try everything. Try anything I possibly can. And, you know, usually there's two drastic sides like Western medicine or natural healing. And I, you know, I married the two. I did do chemo, I did do radiation, all these kinds of things. But yeah, the health stuff, a lot of it um, is diet. I mean, food is everything. It becomes our body, like, you know, the, the elementary insult, like you are what you eat, but it's also true. <laughs> like your, you know, your cells live off of that, those food. And so just eating really cleanly, eating a lot of um, really alkaline fruits and veggies and that kind of stuff. And it worked for me and it has for other people. It obviously doesn't for everyone's cancer, but um, yeah, I was able to find what worked for me. So. No, I appreciate that. And, uh, and I'm glad that you mentioned this is not a, a cure-all formula, <laughs> but, but yeah. I think it's very important. Part of the reason I asked is I think, uh, especially in, this, in our culture in America, mm-hmm. people don't really see diet as being that important for health. They see it just as like, you know, yes. like taste kind of like, oh, I like how that tastes. I like how meat tastes. I don't like how vegetables taste. But it's like, mm-hmm. this has a direct correlation with your health. That part, 100%, really, yeah. you know, because it's like, it might not be at all uh, one cure all, but it's definitely not going to hurt. <laughs> that is for yeah. sure. Well, <laughs> exactly. And that's my thing. Like, especially as I've, you know, started sharing my story online more, like I said, and, you know, people are so, I'm realizing it's so polarized, so polar opposite one or the other. And I'm like, if you're dying, why wouldn't you do any, everything that you could, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's my thing. If it works, incredible um but yeah very important health uh, or food is so important uh for everything and unfortunately especially media wise we have an awful relationship with it in this country um and all that but it can be extremely healing i'm grateful for that look i'm gonna turn it i'm gonna turn it one time back to the music before i let you go march 14th <laughs> what is the what's the project called what's yes. the album gonna be called do we have a name um, yet? it is yeah, it is a single and it is called, uh, aptly, it is called Rule the World. Fuck yes. Oh, so I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. It's a good, like, road trip song. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yo, thank you so much. Seriously, this has been one of, like, just so many awesome moments in this episode. But from me being just inspired by musicians and, and music in general and art, but also just you have such a powerful story that I'm so grateful to be able Thank to share. You. And I'm so grateful you felt comfortable sharing it with me, especially since, you know, we don't know each other that well. So I'm very grateful for it. Um, and I want to make sure I push that point that this is fucking, this has been great. And uh, I'm very <laughs> grateful. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I, it is an honor. Oh, and listen, anytime that you want to come and promote an album, you want to promote a, a movie that you're in, Living With Will is your promotional. I will. I will be like, great. I'm. Wait, I got to call my guy. Hold on. <laughs> yes, fuck yes. I'm so glad. 